0: Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of the Kinky Boys podcast. So this month we have basically a chat talking about um, what to do if you've come to this podcast as someone who has recently found out that their partner is kinky and you don't know what to do with that information. Uh, we talk about some of the questions we 've got in that inbox, because there seems like there 's quite a lot of you. but before we get to the uh, talk, I would like to first just thank our patrons. thanks to these people we 've been able to upgrade our equipment. I can now get editing software that works with my disabilities that 's fantastic. Thank you so much. You make this project possible. I started this podcast to be a resource for the kink community, and you guys are really helping make that a reality. So thank you so much, and I'd like to thank by name our five pound tier ta- patrons. Uh, so that's Stuart Timmins, Nick Bain, Adam Ferris, Andrew Blackley, Connor Bone, Deco Very, Brian C, Harry Hypnotist, and Matthew O'Mara, and of course a thanks to all our one dollar tier patrons who are getting everything a week early thank you so much for your help you have made this podcast amazing and it's just going to get better and better as we upgrade our software and equipment and it just lets me put more time into this project so thank you so much so now on with the interview hello so we're doing an impromptu episode here Uh, but it's kind of a listener mail one. We've got several items in our inbox recently, all which seem to have the same theme, which are all around talking to your kink discordant partner, which is to say your partner who has a kink that you don't have. Some of the people that are just simply kinky people with this some are vanilla people who are discovering their partner has kink we won't read out the specifics because a lot of these emails go into very personal stuff so we're going to keep it vague don't worry if you've written in but i just thought this would be a good topic to discuss about unlike strategies in communication and what you need to do in those sorts of situations as always we have the as usual <laughs> we have the lovely buster with us
1: <laughs> hello hello <laughs> always good to be here
0: yes it's always great having you on so let's So let's start. So, kink discordant relationship. They are when one partner does not have the same kink as the other. Often some people can be vanilla. I don't actually believe vanilla people really exist. I've never seen one. No, no, they're amazing. When I was growing
1: up, like, vanilla people never existed. So, like, everyone that I saw, every gay person that I saw was dirty. (laughs) Because And they were all in the press and they were found down hoist or whatever cool. doing dirty things and there were scandals and I never saw a single vanilla person but having think, their relationship celebrated.
0: I just think everyone's into something. Like people talk about being a leg man or being a boob man and it's like, well, isn't that technically a fetish? You're fetishizing a singular part of a person's body above other parts?
1: Because we all know that straight men are all desperate to see the whole woman and to validate her and to treat her as a whole person
0: <laughs> ah, well yeah so what do you do if your partner has either come out to you or you're getting into a relationship with someone who has a kink you don't or if you have a kink and your partner doesn't and you want to talk about it with them?
1: so uh, I think one of the key things here is like when a, when a partner comes out to you or like something comes up right so suddenly you're aware of a facet of your partner's personality that was not previously seen to you i remember so, so i was in an in a very vanilla relationship for a number of years that was kind of mostly asexual Mm-hmm. and very vanilla and in in the background the porn i was watching became more and more extreme and then <laughs> my partner found it and it was like well this is awkward for a, for mm-hmm. an asexual guy to come across like some really dark fetish porn <laughs> and then to question his own safety and i think like actually that to some degree that's an element of whoa do i actually know this person that I'm in a long-term mm-hmm. relationship with. And I think that's like, there's an immediate fear behind that for some people, which is which is valid.
0: Yeah, because it makes you feel unsure. Suddenly everything you thought you knew isn't quite as solid. And there are these big gaps in your knowledge, which you recognize. I, I'm actually reminded of one of my favorite scenes from the movie Dogma. <laughs> it, it's where the main character basically figures out she's the descendant of Christ, and she's the Chosen One, and the Metatron, played by what's-his-face, appears... It was
1: Alan Rickman.
0: Thank you, thank you. And the Metatron appears on the lake, and she's, like, begging him to take it back, and it's like, I can't. It's fine, you're still you, you just have this new information to add to who you are. And I think that this is the important thing to keep in mind. If your partner has... You've just discovered your partner has a king, that you didn't know it doesn't mean they're a different person it just means there's more to them it is addition not subtraction I
1: can't believe that's the part of the metatron you went to and from dogma i just remember that oh my god are you gonna rape me and he pulls his trousers up and there's nothing there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and knocks himself in in the groin and just goes even if i was interested in that <laughs> i wouldn't have the, i wouldn't have the hardware to do it but yeah I, I think it's like coming to terms with the fact that your partner is still your partner yeah there's a possibility of a slightly different dynamic something that we we've talked about a lot on the show before is if I'm hooking up with somebody and getting to know somebody who's got a particular kink, I'm more interested in the dynamic between us and, yeah. and the passion and the sexual chemistry than the actual individual kinks. Mm. And I've ended up picking up a lot of kinks, which I've evidenced all over this podcast to go yes. from somebody who didn't know anything about FinDom and thought it was all a bit weird to actually being really super into it. Yeah. And that was from a partner.
0: Yeah, and it's um, recently my sir wants me to try spanking, and I've always been rather afraid of pain, but I'm also curious.
1: I'm sure his bottom will make a lovely red cushion for you to spank.
0: Other way about.
1: <laughs> I I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I, I I I'm I'm sure that you'll you'll rise to the challenge.
0: Yes, yes, and. Um, yeah.
1: I, I I was going to say I I really think that like there's a key to this which is one of trust mm-hmm. and like ultimately like if you found out something about your partner that your partner's kind of treated as a dirty secret for some time mm-hmm. there's there's instantly a trust element there there's an element that screams like cheating I guess like every relationship will need to work that out by themselves like there's no way of going like oh this is the 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 universal guide to fixing stuff like this if there if there are those feelings it's always i think that if when there's questions around like these kind of borderline cheating kind of things where somebody feels like they have been cheated upon Mm -hmm. i think that it's very easy to go kind of like a one way or the other like view it as like a black and white some people will have A feeling that oh my my feelings aren't valid they're stupid and try and kind of suppress them and other people will say my feelings are tantamount and your behavior means nothing it's all about my feelings and either way isn't particularly helpful
0: no no like to go back to the oldest truism relationships are about compromise and like there is a concept of minimum cost to ride and it's sort of, you know, talking about relationships, it's basically, what are you willing to put in or give up for a relationship? What are your limits? And it, it can be hard. And these limits also change over time, which I think is something that's very important to remember. I've had relationships where it started off very strict, like the rules we had were very strict. And over time, as trust was built, it sort of then became much more laissez-faire. And it's like, oh, you slept with someone? Oh, cool. I don't need to know the details. I trust you. Whereas in the early days, it's sort of, well, I need to know more. I need to... And that information was mostly about feeling safe and building trust.
1: To some degree, I feel like my relationship's kind of the other way around, where it started off very, very relaxed. Like, Mm. I take no ownership of you. Even if I own you as, as a sub, like, you're free to play with whoever you want. And then... Over time, I found I was playing too much and not giving my partner the sexual attention yeah. that he deserves and then actually set in place for me some kind of, some limits to say, well, these are this is what I'm going to put down. Like, this is how I want to conduct my own behavior. Because I think that that's like, when you say like relationships about compromise, you can do this stuff actively rather than reactively. Where you can say, well, actually, like, am I, as as half of this relationship, I behaving the way, I manifesting the relationship that I want to have. And in my head, like, I put my my prime, my boyfriend, I put first above all other sexual partners. I'll never leave them alone for an evening or, or, yeah. or overnight. I'll never stay over, essentially. I can fuck who I want, but I won't stay over. I won't leave them in a cold bed overnight.
0: And this is something people need to discuss, which is what does giving a partner primacy actually look like? Is it enough sexual attention? Like we need to have be having sex this much. Is it time? Is it sort of, as you said, things like not leaving them alone at night and making sure you don't do overnight. And these will be different things for everyone. And people need to consider what their needs are. To, like you, if you're the partner going out and playing, you need to consider what you feel is inappropriate and if you're the partner who's not got this fetish not playing with other people assuming that's the arrangement you decide upon you need to figure out what primacy looks like for you and what you need to feel comfortable and feel like you're the main main partner as it were
1: Mm. i think all of this could potentially be like a bit of a shock to the system if you've got somebody who's kind of like vanilla and not come across kink before to suddenly be kind of thrown into the the deep end as it were and just go oh my god i had to throw out all of my assumptions about what a relationship is because society has such railroads to what a relationship is so I, i feel like this can be a bit of a shock to the system if somebody's like vanilla never experienced kink before i feel like a lot of this could be uh a real kind of like sudden learning curve to go how do i you've got kind of two two paths you can go down one which is to go actually i'm quite comfortable with the the societal norms of kind of like boy meets girl get married, have kids, white picket fence. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, well, actually, like, I don't feel like that's particularly appropriate. I'm, I'm willing to like e- experiment and kind of see what's going on in the world. In which case, like, a relationship like that could open up a number of other things. It might be that you have a number of kinks that you haven't really kind of thought about. And I always feel like, actually seeing i've seen enough initially discordant relationships where a a guy basically comes out as submissive to his girlfriend because he just can't do the job almost (laughs) like (laughs) he's required by society to be the dominant one and actually if he's submissive it can be quite a shameful thing coming out and then actually we see we see lots of girls kind of getting their leather boots on and trampling and kind of taking ownership and locking up their boyfriends and having like previously been vanilla, but actually the dynamic matters more to them yeah. than than yeah. actually the, how you go about making that dynamic, like the, the nitty gritty of how that dynamic plays
0: out. And I do find once people see, understand how di- power dynamics work and they start to sort of understand the appeal, A lot of people get into it themselves.
1: Honestly, like I used to say when I was like in my early twenties, sex is power. Like, just full stop. Like, sex isn't about love or tenderness or anything. Sex is about power. And granted, I have a skewed perspective on sex and always have. But like when I got with my first boyfriend, who was five years older than me, he he was enamored with me because I was some gorgeous young twink thing. It's hard to believe now. But like I, I was 15 at the time and he was like in that like, oh, my God, I pulled a 15 year old. I've still got it kind of mentality that was like. Actually, that's a power relationship. Yeah. And and I didn't realize it at the time, and he didn't realize it at the time. But like within a month, I wanted to break up, and I ended up marrying the guy because I was trapped in there. That's a power relationship. So if you can get that power and vocalize it, make it manifest, and actually go, hey, we're playing with this power, it loses that ability to trap. It loses the prison. It kind of makes everything a a lot more fun.
0: Yeah. And it also gives you tools, like you say, talking about power. It gives you the tools to proactively talk about stuff. And this is a wider relationship thing, which is people don't normally have big discussions about their relationship until it becomes a problem. Mm. No one really talks proactively about their relationship. And it's a great practice to get into. So the boyfriend and I, we got this from, I think it was the Ethical slap where you basically have set times to check in with one another, be it once a week or once a month or once every three months, where you just deliberately schedule to sit down and discuss the relationship. And it can be so healthy because you can talk about, well, I've been feeling I've not been getting enough time or actually, no, I've been feeling I've been great and we're doing good. And it's over the years, it's also come in very handy for just stuff like I would appreciate if you did the dishes a bit more this month or like, I'm going Mm. to be busy in the next month. Can you take up this slack around the house? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just having that tool of saying we have a regular chat just to discuss how things are going. Mm. And I always worry it sounds a bit too clinical or like you're having your performance review at work. (laughs) And in some ways it can feel a bit clinical because we use I statements. So it sounds like very HR language. Yes. But that can be a useful tool because obviously in relationships, emotions can run high, especially around issues that cause friction. So sort of decharging a lot of that energy in it by using I statements and stuff like that can really help smooth the path.
1: Yeah, I think when you're in a relationship together, you're no longer trying to impress somebody 24-7. I love my boyfriend for all of him all of his mm-hmm. weirdness, as well as the fact that he's absolutely stunning and he's a lovely guy. You have to be able to deal with all of it, the, the whole package. Yeah. So actually, if uh, a partner has particular neuroses and they need a super regular reassurance on a particular point, mm-hmm. actually going like, okay, this isn't logical. It's a feeling that feels a little bit weird, but yeah. I will I will reassure you appropriately and taking the time to do that I always feel like yeah that that's a really cool thing to like block out time I've not thought about it quite like that but the I feel like kind of addressing the stuff in advance is something that actually is quite common in people getting married so people like how do I put this generally speaking if you go to a christian Pastor who's like serious Christian, yeah, uh, rather than like rent a Christian, rent a church to get church married, yeah, stuff, yeah. Th- they will insist on premarital counseling and mm-hmm. like they'll go over okay so your wife's in the eight months of pregnancy what are you going to do to make sure she feels loves like let's gain this stuff out in advance so that we know how we are going to need each other to respond in times of extreme stress let's gain these things out so that i know that i'm properly supporting my partner at all times to give our relationship like it given like the christian people. Put a, bit more, put a bit more in the vows, obviously, because if, you, yeah. if you're taking something in front of something you believe is a god, like, that's a little bit more serious. And, and, and actually, you want to be giving that marriage the best shot. If it's supposed to be death to, till death do us part, like, you want to have all of this stuff gamed out so that that way it's so much easier to manage it when, when shit hits the fan. And actually, I feel like it's something that we as LGBT people, don't get, because we don't really have role models per se. We've grown up without a system in place, like the old mentorship systems have broken down. Like We have our friends, but actually we're all just the blind leading the blind to some regard.
0: I mean, I do feel lucky because I grew up in a smallish town and there was a very small gay community. But the upside to that was I was essentially forced to meet and be friends with people far outside my age like I knew older guys like I knew geriatric guys we all hung out together and it really helped having people there that had been through all of the stuff and was there to tell me ahead of time well you think this is going to how it's going to be but <laughs> we actually know how it's going to be listened and that really has helped it really helped me in life.
1: O- on reflection it's the thing that like growing up in London like, people always think, like, oh, growing up in London, there's so much to do. No, when you're 14 and you have no money, there's nothing to yeah, do. Yeah. And actually, there's no, there's no community because I didn't really do school friends. Like, that's not really my thing.
0: It's the same, but there are, yeah. there are reasons for that.
1: Yeah, the queer community is my, my adoptive family. Mm. And, and, and now, like, we've got the kink community that's my I, t- I treat it as my adoptive family. Mm. But when you're 16 like I was on gaydar chat and trying to hook up and like the older guys there were like, you're not, you're not looking for sex. You're looking for companionship. You're looking for validation. You're looking to know that yes, you're actually gay. And they read me for filth in this group (laughs) chat, Uh, uh, but they didn't, they didn't moderate. They didn't kick me out. They did support me, but like that was the best that I could do growing Mm. up in London. like there was, I think it was before Gaydio there was like a there was a radio show and they had a like they had an IRC chat room and I was in it it was like an hour a week basically for like gay people radio And I remember I came across it when I was like 13, maybe 14. It was like there was an episode of something on it on the BBC of like, look at these weird people and how they're having their own radio station. Isn't it uplifting to watch the freaks do well for themselves? Kind of like approach on the BBC. Mm. And then, yeah, this chat room was popping with people just talking about how they reckoned Will Young was probably gay because Popeye <laughs> was on at the time. No, it couldn't be. But yeah, like we all need, when when we're like new to something, we all need role models. And I feel like kinky people, we don't really have role models. And that's why we have a kink community.
0: And that is very important because that gives you a resource of information to talk to people about. So I'll get into a personal history so i've discussed before i've had a bit of shame around my hypnosis and it was one of the few things i didn't talk to my partner about initially because you know i knew i was kinky from 18 i was out there i you know i knew i wanted to a boot black i knew i wanted you know be a sub all that stuff and i've always been very open so why um,
1: didn't you tell your partner about that
0: kink i think i've discussed it previously in this co- podcast but i had shame around it i thought people would think i'm a freak okay and they said the best thing to, me, which was, Craig, you like to go out and like to lick people's boots and you like this is no different to me. <laughs> y- you have no reason to be any more ashamed of this than the others,
1: <laughs> yeah, because you really should be ashamed of everything else yourself
0: <laughs> no no he's he's always been lovely, no
1: yeah, this is the thing, like I always come back to the dynamic, it doesn't matter what the kink is, yeah whether you're shitting on somebody because like you've got a thing where it's filthy where you love like exploring filth and disgust Mm -hmm. or whether you're shitting on somebody as a a sign of like domination the the shitting isn't the important bit there yeah (laughs) like it's an extreme example or whether like i've got friends who love drinking piss not as a power thing but they love drinking piss but I drink loads of water when I'm around them to make sure that, hey, they're my friends. I'm going to make lots of piss for yeah. them. I love having my piss drunk. <laughs> but with my sub, I don't drink lots of water. I drink lots of coffee and it's fetid and it stinks. Eww. And it's the power. It's the he will swallow gagging back the smell. Yeah. Yeah. Because he wants to be used by me for everything, and so that's a like for me and my friends. Like piss is like a really light-hearted thing, but when I'm in Toko it's quite a dark kind of king, and it's 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 yeah. all about how, like how does this relate to our relationship?
0: Yeah, and that is. Where do I want to go with?
1: Well, if you're new to kink and you're listening to this to work out how to <laughs> to settle <laughs> things with your boyfriend, that might have been a little bit much.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, it's important if you've come to this and you're coming to us because you think this can give you advice. Yeah, like we, Buster here, is into some very extreme kinks. Don't let that scare you off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing, like. It doesn't look, as I keep saying, like it doesn't matter to me about the kinks. The whole point of a kink for me is like, how do I enhance my relationship with this person? How do I deepen the bonds of trust that I have with this person? How do we jointly explore passion?
0: You hit on the word trust there. And I think that's Mm. a good point to go on, which is, you talked about it previously earlier in the episode. When you find out your partner has a kink that they've possibly been keeping from you, it can cause trust issues. Like, because you feel like there's this big new part of them you don't know, and it can make you feel unsure and you're not sure where to go with this. And I hate to say, a lot of people may find this out from like finding out their partner cheated in some form. Like even if they haven't physically cheated, I know a lot of people, if like they've been consuming a lot of porn around a certain fetish, it can almost feel like cheating.
1: Yeah, and I think that... When, you, when you're dealing with that, you've got to deal with those feelings as, as valid. Mm. Like, if you feel like you've been cheated on, it doesn't mean you have been cheated on, but it means that this has exposed something. Whenever we get bad feelings, like or kind of like those, those very visceral kind of like deep-held feelings, it's usually something in us is being challenged, like an insecurity. Like, am I going to lose my partner? Is usually yeah. like uh, it. It is sometimes a the question there, and we've got to like in order to be like grown ups in a relationship. When we get a feeling like that, it's valid. We have to validate it and say, mm-hmm. "I'm I'm not a freak for feeling this. I'm perfectly like logical that I would feel this way." However, what is the sponsoring emotion? Why do I feel this? having a bit of self-reflection and that I feel this way because for me, a relationship is perfect all the time and, and birds sing around my head. And then, then like, if, if you've got that in your head, like, that needs to be broken down. Yeah. It's like a, a bit of a mirror, as it were, these negative feelings. They, they tell us where we need to work on ourselves. But it also, it's like, well, if you feel like it because actually you're quite insecure in this relationship still and you're really, you've you really, really been struggling and you think you're looking at other girls more than you and you don't feel loved and validated by this person, then that stinging feeling of being cheated on is going to point all that out to you. And then it's up to you to decide what you do with that.
0: Yeah. And there's also something to be said for when you have this big shock of finding out something new about a partner, there is a grieving process. Like we always talk about grief as something that happens around people. Like you lose a person. Grief happens like whenever we lose a big idea we're holding up. So like... When you lose a possible vision for the future, like Mm. this is how my relationship is going to be. This is how my life is going to be. And that gets stripped away and you have to deal with the grief of the loss of that. That is a valid process and it takes time. And you will go through the processes of grief. You will go through hurt, bargaining, anger. I can't remember the rest. Like don't pressure yourself into feeling like this has to be fixed immediately. If you have a good, strong relationship with your partner... So long as you are willing to talk things through and give each other space and do the work, it'll end up fine, but you need to give it time and it will be rough for a little. That that can be scary, but it's the truth. And again, if you can get through that, you will be fine.
1: Yeah, and my first thought, kind of reading, the, reading these emails, is like one of them I was, I was thinking, I'm really interested to hear what the boyfriend's kind of like, what 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 their dream is. Like, okay, this is a part of them that I've just discovered. Right, they've got a fetish. If my boyfriend said to me, "Oh, I've got this fetish yeah. uh, for slime, gunge, what yeah. messy," and I go like, "Okay, so what is your?" What is your ideal situation? Tell me about your fantasy. Oh, right. Okay. So I want to be tied down to a chair and be struggling while somebody humiliates me and pours gunge all over me. Is very different from, oh, I just love, I, I want to be in a swimming pool full of gunge with you.
0: Yeah. For, and, and for, for us like to a sensation. Like, you know, exactly. it's the sensation that does it.
1: Uh, because like when you understand like in order to understand the kink you have to understand well how does this fit in personality wise if somebody enjoys like if somebody comes out as as submissive in this situation like we talked about before it's like well what's what's the fantasy because actually yeah. that fantasy might be entirely like centered around you as their partner they yeah. might be really interested in trying something with you and and initially that you you catch them watching porn and it's all like there's guilt and shame and feelings of trust and everything like that but if that sponsoring emotion is actually passion for you that's like it's worth knowing (laughs) and 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 being able to like kind of dispense with the shame and the guilt and, and and be able to go hey like I could learn something new from this. Like when Doko came to me and said, "Like I'm super into Findom and I was like, "Oh, okay. Give <laughs> G- give me your money. <laughs> is that how this works? You just give me give me ten pound notes every now and again? <laughs> like how does this work? What is your fantasy?" And then being able to uh, kind of like dig into that a little bit and go like, "Okay, so you've got this th- this sexual fantasy." Like, hey, let's give it a try. Like, okay, I know what I need to do. Like, okay, fine. You want to have your lunch money stolen. <laughs> like, let's get from a friend' perspective. Very different. Either you have your lunch money stolen or you want your bank account drained by a stranger. <laughs> like, two, like the two different things, whether it's like a bullying thing or whether it's a power thing or like how it, how it all plays out. But actually, like, I learned something about myself in that, which is actually this is a really hot way of playing for power exchange. Yeah. And, it, and it's Findom's not my kink, power exchange. And so it just slots nicely into one more tool in the arsenal. Awesome. And if, you're, if the thing that you love most about sex is having your partner look deeply into your eyes as they rail you and they come out as submissive, and you can do exactly the same thing. You just flip it around. They're (laughs) they're tied up on the bed, and you're looking deeply into your eyes as as you ride them.
0: Yeah, there is so much you can explore with this, and like your horizons can be broadened, and you can find a deeper connection than you thought you mm -hmm. This is ultimately another way you can connect with your partner. Mm. It's not a barrier, it's a path.
1: Mm -hmm. And yeah, I always feel like there's there 's a almost a default state when you find out about something like this to try and control it for them to promise oh i 'll never do it again i 'll never do it again, <laughs> like oh you can 't do this or we consider it cheating and yeah. you can 't do this while we 're in a relationship together, and actually like going, well how does this like if we explore this together, how does that work out? because in any relationship, things are going to come up whether they 're financial whether it 's about the laundry getting done or the dishwasher getting packed or whether it's about some fucked up sexual fantasy, which is hot, whether like you're going to come across disagreements, you're going to come across differences of opinion and differences of experience that lead Mm. to that lead to that opinion, that it's all an opportunity to work out who am I in this relationship? Like, am I uh, like uh, when I'm here, am I doing my best for my partner? do I feel like my partner's doing their best for me? Do I, do I still want this person in my life? Which yeah. is always my, my base level, kind of like start w- with any relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a, a grinder fuck, whether it's considering getting into a long-term relationship with someone. Do I want this person in my life? Because if I'm looking on grinder and I go, I don't want this person in my life, I just want to fuck, then I don't fuck. Yeah,
0: um, and again, that goes back to the whole thing of, what is the price of admission to the Mm. relationship? And are you willing to pay it? Yeah. Is it worth it? Are you getting what you need for what you pay into them? Like that sounds horribly transactional. And it's not that that clear cut. Mm. But it is a guiding principle of for a relationship, you need to be fulfilled enough for what you're putting in. It should be mutually supportive.
1: I won't feel like I'm the cold, logical bastard in mm. the room, but actually here, I think of a relationship instead of kind of like that transactional mentality. It's almost like I think of a relationship as like, okay, we're going to create something together. Yeah. And and if you're if the two of you are painting an art piece and you paint the whole art piece and then they sign it, it's not <laughs> like. Yeah you haven't oh, i'm gonna to have to borrow a word from corporate world you haven't synergized the whole point of a relationship is the two of you should be stronger than you individually and and actually work, learning to work as a team I, when i look at my friends getting into relationships the ones who have sexual chemistry last for three months uh, and the ones who are dedicated to like working as a team with their partner they're the ones that really last get married buy a house have loads and loads of gear and fucked up sex and yeah yeah
0: like i know my boyfriend is always on my side he's always mm. in my corner mm. and that includes when we've had arguments mm-hmm. even under the arguments that support and that care for one another is fundamentally there always
1: yeah we are a team. And we may have some disagreements within the team, but we yeah. are still like, yeah, I to the wall for my boyfriend. And yeah, yeah. I, and I want him to know that even when I'm telling him off or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: is... I mean, we, we've we spent a lot of words on this, but ultimately it all comes down to open and honest communication where you're willing mm. to listen and you're willing to compromise and you're willing to be open to what other people say.
1: Mm. Equally, there are some times where somebody has a lot of guilt and shame around a kink and they're exploring it in an incredibly destructive way. Yeah. And actually, sometimes the best thing is not to engage in that. Like, if your boyfriend is spending all of your joint income like pursuing a fetish like so like if it, it, it if he's into findom and spending a huge yeah. amount of money that both of you have earned and that's not within the terms of your relationship like actually that's a serious breach of trust we we talked so much about kind of about bringing come, like coming together with this yeah. but actually it might highlight that actually now's the time to go actually that 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 is severely disruptive and that's not on
0: yeah cuz it, mm. it's like shame can make you do horrible things and destructive mm. things but it's not a get out of the jail free card you have it to own explain,
1: your mistakes. it explains it doesn't excuse yeah and and like sometimes thing like i had done things in relationships before trying to like suppress kinks mm. and yeah, I cheat. Like my my, my ex husband, the one that I talked about, man, Like because of the circumstance of our relationship that he was not privy to, like it was all internal to me. I cheated constantly. I was playing around all the time. Oh. Our relationship was open one day and closed the next, and open and closed. And on reflection, I realised he was probably a cuck, but struggling with the shame oh. of that. And actually, like that relationship was very destructive, I think, to both of us. And so they come to a point where it's like okay well if you're if you're not able to communicate this stuff and you're not a like it all comes down to can I be open and honest with this person? Do I want to be open and honest with this person and actually, this isn't necessarily about the person the vanilla person talking to the kinky person, but actually if you're a kinky person and you go well, actually this partner i uh, isn't fulfilling what i need and and they have like their requirements are such that i can't get what i need from this relationship then 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 actually like there's a question of well okay do you do you open things up and say oh, actually on reflection we're not sexually compatible therefore we can open things up and but then ha- working on that is its own series of challenges like opening up a relationship takes a lot of hard work from both sides. It takes time.
0: Um, And again, it's one of those things where you have to be prepared to go through rough moments where you do feel hurt or jealous or worried or scared. And you mm. have to sit with those emotions and not let them rule you. And that mm. can be a horrible process to go through. (laughs) But I think it really helps you as a person.
1: Yes. I know that I am a better partner for having been in the relationships that I've been in before. Yeah. It's like, I've made all the mistakes. And in the early days, I didn't learn from those mistakes. And I made those mistakes Hmm. over and over and over again. And eventually I had to look in the mirror to find out what was going wrong in my relationships. And somebody read me for (laughs) filth. One (laughs) of my best friends read me for filth.
0: When you're in a relationship, you need to remember your own personal worth and what you're willing to put up with or not put up with as the case may be.
1: I think that having a good grasp like taking an active role in reflection and self-improvement, like looking at one's own insecurities. Am I in this relationship because I'm scared of being alone? So therefore, is it a relationship of convenience rather than like, oh, actually, are we are we really forming a team? Are we really got an, an excellent team relationship, like a true relationship going on here? Or is this a transaction? where yeah I put up with his shit and he gives me a sense of being together with somebody because I don't like being alone. And and being it's 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 probably some of the more painful possible things that it's it's possible to go through as as, as like in a relationship, especially mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. having to confront these very dark, kind of primal feelings, but you can come out of it with a much clearer hedge. I always recommend therapy to anyone who'll listen yeah. for precisely that reason to go, oh, actually, how do I feel about this? I, starting with the assumption that actually like, I'm lying to myself about almost everything because that's my experience of life. My early 20s, I lied to myself about everything. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then slowly I came to the realisation that I was full of shit. I dare <laughs> say other people have different experiences, but... Yeah. Some people would say I'm still full of shit. So, I could... so I guess it's really important in all of this, though, to take a look, kind of take a step back when you're engaging any any kind of kink. If you want to explore something with your partner, and think about like the gr- some of the ground rules. And in the fetish community, we we have a variety of acronyms. I personally like safe, sane, and consensual. That's one I... that.
0: Most people start with it's. Mm. I tend to think of safe, sane, and consensual is the baseline beginner one. Yeah, and then we can go on to rack, which is the yes. sort of kind of more advanced
1: listeners. That's risk aware, consensual kink. kink. <laughs> but yeah, so should we start with safe, sane,
0: and consensual?
1: Like we yeah. start off with the idea about it being safe. What does safe mean for you? Well,
0: you game? account for the dangers that can happen in it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, simply, something simple as oh, I don't know, bondage, getting tied up. You're aware of how to do bondage correctly, how to not damage limbs, how to not damage nerves, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So that's the safety. Sane is, of course, thinking- Well,
1: there's more to safety. I'm going to interrupt there and say, and safety can also be thinking about like your mental health and your partner's Mm -hmm. mental health and think, actually, are we in the right place to explore this at the moment? Mm -hmm. Is this somewhere that we need some time to talk about? Do I feel like I trust this person in the right way? Ah,
0: See, I would class that as the same part.
1: Well, go on.
0: No, no. I think the same part is essentially exploring mental ramifications and obviously exploring your state of mind. Are you in the right place to consent to this? Do Are you informed enough to consent to things? Mm-hmm. And it's like considering all the ramifications it can have on your life, that sort of thing.
1: See, I always tend to take a zoomed out view of saying, mm-hmm. and I always think about like, okay, like, Broadly speaking, is this thing that we're about to engage in, if we told a stranger we were about to do it, would the man on the Clapham omnibus be shocked and horrified or be severely worried for one of our safety? say for instance like when when just getting started thinking about sanity is like okay are are we exploring a hanging fetish here (laughs) like (laughs) because that's not sane (laughs) like are we exploring having never done anything before we're gonna make each other black out because of breath play like that's not a sane thing to do so kind of like zooming out almost and going okay i'm gonna separate my brain from my dick and think with my brain about this fetish is this wise yeah and then consent with both of us i think we'll probably be on the same page which is can you make informed decisions do you understand things have you consented to it is there a safe word in place if you feel like you need one most people when they're getting started a safe word I always recommend the word safe word. There seems to be a common trope in, in the media that a safe word should be something really weird and like extravagant because it will never get said, but So if you're fighting to remember your safe word, then that that can be a really toxic thing. There's no need to say the word safe word in sex unless you mean it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the traffic light for safe words, especially when you're exploring a new kick. It's great because the traffic light system, you don't have one hard safe word. You have amber or orange and red. Red (laughs) means stop. Amber can mean slow down or pause, Mm. and this means you can continue the scene, but you can pause or tell them to back off a bit, and it's like saying, I'm reaching my limit here, can we back off, but keep going, Mm -hmm. which is a helpful tool to have, again, when you're exploring a brand new fetish, it's a wonderful thing to have. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, because for me, a safe word, if somebody uses a safe word, it's like everything like i have an order as i'm putting if i'm tying somebody up and i've got hoods on sensory deprivation i have an order in my head about how i'm gonna remove this in in a way to bring them back to life (laughs) kind of like as quickly as possible and it's in a safe way right okay something like you're panicking great let's get the hood off so you can see so that you can breathe freely then we're gonna i'm talking somebody through it but the scene is basically over yeah. With, with with a red and, and there's no there's no discussion to be had with the safe word. It's like, okay, I am honoring the safe word. Here's how I'm going to do it. And then mm-hmm. stepping back from that. And, and and these things combined create a, a, a trust experience. There's a situation where we, we, my boyfriend and I were playing with like a new people popper poppers apparatus a few years mm-hmm. ago, and he ended up getting liquid poppers in his mouth, safe word, um, and being able to step back away from that and then untie him, kind of get him back to, back to back to the real world and then... Getting water and then spend half an hour having a cuddle because that's a nasty bump back to real life. Yeah. That created that enhanced our relationship. Our relationship was closer for having had that experience because it allowed us to build trust in that moment. And I think we would that's come back one. to trust.
0: Yeah.
1: It's all about like kink between whether you're both into kink or whether mm. one of you is into kink, it's about trust and Does exploring this kink fit within your current level of trust? And are you going to trust this person more for having explored this together?
0: Yeah, it's at the end of the day, it's what binds you and your partner together and just building on Mm. and it's understanding each other's needs and working towards a common goal. And again, being willing to tough out the tough points and being willing to be loving and open and communicative, even when you know, things have come between you. Yes.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that, yeah. that that's good relationship advice that any couples counsellor would give you.
0: Well, this is the thing. We we keep talking about this, like, for kink discordant relationships, but this is just general advice for all relationships in every circumstance. Mm. It all works.
1: Yeah, and, and to kind of like with that, like, what are the things that work for all relationships? Well, just mentioning couples counselling, like, Actually, if you want to discuss this and you need a framework to be able to discuss this and you don't feel like you've got the tools, then asking for a th- like a third party mediator to come along and to do some couples counselling together to actually create an environment where it's safe to talk about these things. And there are lots of counsellors who specialize in working with BDSM couples, so there's no that they've got the language to help you explore this kind of stuff together. That can be really valid as well.
0: Yeah, definitely try and seek out counsellors that are not... Not pro BDSM, but comfortable no, experience in that. Yeah. yeah, they're sex positive.
1: Certainly for LGBT people, but actually, kind of broadly speaking, Pink Therapy's website. If you're in the mm-hmm. UK, Pink Therapy has a like counselors and, and therapists kind of like database that you can search. If you say we're a straight BDSM couple and we're looking for a guy who's trans identified to help, like yeah. you can you can specify yeah. everything until. Until you're blue in the face to, to to get the right person for you, and it, it can certainly yeah help to help to create an environment where you can discuss that kind of stuff. Really,
0: so I think we've pretty much covered all the basics here. So mm-hmm.
1: there's yeah. one thing we haven't covered: What's Patreon. That?
0: Yes, yes, we we have a y- Patreon. Yes, yes, we do have a Patreon, and it's been going well. And we really hope if you like what we do here, you'll just toss some quid our way to help support.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's important to note, like, actually making a podcast not only takes time and equipment, but also there's a number of things that you need to be subscribed to in order to make, essentially make a podcast hit the real world. There's an, the, yeah. there's quite an expense to that. So we're asking if you like what we do, sign up for, for, for the Patreon. It starts at a pound pound a month. And yeah, at the moment, it's you're doing it for the good of your heart. We will be announcing podcasts, uh, Patreon tiers in due course.
0: Yep. We will be revising our tiers and getting people a bit extra if they want. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the lowest tier at the moment gives you week early access. And our newsletter, I write up a little newsletter about what's been going on behind the scenes, stuff I didn't get to say in the interviews.
1: Yeah. Well, so it's patreon.com forward slash kinkyboyspodcast pod yep, kinky, kinky boys a pod. pod and <laughs> it'll be in the show notes of course
0: and to all our, all our listeners i hope you've enjoyed listening and play safe